Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Canucks Speak Easy podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Doug. And Doug, let's crack a cold one here for this last unofficial day of summer. Let's do it. What do we got here, man? Uh, today we're drinking Postmark Juicy Pale Ale. Sunny, tropical, hazy. That sounds perfect for the last day of summer. Let's have a cheers to Cheers. That. These look a bit familiar, Doug. Might be these the, the leftover ones from the fantasy football draft. Yeah, there are some shrapnels from our uh, weekend in Victoria for our fantasy football draft. How year did, seven. How did you do there? According to NFL.com, I got an A minus, and I'm gonna go twelve and two. Yeah, I didn't do as well. I got a C plus, and uh, <laughs> God, I think it was a four and ten. They, they really didn't like me. They didn't like a couple of my running back picks at all. But hey, what are you gonna do? Uh, How's the rest of your week? Uh, looking pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously had today off, which is nice. Today being a holiday, and then uh, back at, on the grind tomorrow, uh, and then looking forward to Thursday night football and waking up Sunday morning with a pot of coffee, some bacon and eggs, and uh, <laughs> watching the first week of uh, the NFL. Now I'm going to be waking up who knows where on Sunday. I'm I'm hitting the road. I've got my holidays books coming up here. And uh, we're going to be doing some interesting podcasts coming up while I'm away. We're going to try and keep the momentum going and not let our three or four listeners have nothing to listen to while I'm soaking up some sun somewhere. So anyways, Doug, we ready to do this? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Uh, so a topic I wanted to bring up to you today, Pete, and to all the listeners and Canucks fans out there is... What, in your opinion, would make this upcoming season a successful season for the Canucks? Is it playoffs or bust? Could it still be a successful season, even if we don't make the playoffs? Obviously, you know, you want to see some kind of a development with the the young core here. Um, so, yeah, it was just a topic I wanted us to kind of throw around and discuss and, uh, you know, get your thoughts on it and get, you know, some of the other people's thoughts on Twitter out there on it. I think it's a, I think it's a great question. I think... The Canucks universe is fairly divided over this, and unfortunately a lot of it has to do with that first-round pick that we've traded to Tampa Bay. I think that's kind of hanging over the season and dividing the fan base a little bit more either way. The easy answer for me is the same as every year. I want to make the playoffs, and I want to win the Stanley Cup. I don't expect us to win the Stanley Cup, but it would sure as hell be nice. I don't think the fans in St. Louis expected them to be winning a Stanley Cup this year, but... I think the easy answer for me, playoffs would be nice, but more importantly is a continued development of this trend that we're on. You know, we have one of the top prospect rankings in the league, which is, geez, I don't think that's ever happened with us. I don't remember. I mean, it's 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 fantastic to see that and see all these kids in all these different league, leagues developing. But I think to say, hey, we got to be playoffs right away, that, that would be great. I just want to see further development of some of these young kids. I'd like to see our prospect pool take another step because I, I do feel that some of our guys, especially in Utica, took a step. Maybe not a step back, but they had tougher years last year. Uh, yeah, I did see a couple of reports come out recently. That, maybe it was Comets Corey on Twitter, um, but someone was reporting that Cole Lind and Jonah Gadjevich this offseason really worked on their skating. Mm -hmm. And especially for Gadjevich, to me, that's always been his biggest weakness. Yeah. Uh, Cole Lind, um, yeah, I don't know if he just was prepared for the grind of the AHL, and the AHL is a grind. It, it is not an easy league. Yeah, it's a very tough league. I mean, it's tough scheduling, it's tough travel, 
and it's a men's league when you're coming from junior and that's that's a big jump to play against 18 19 20 year olds to guys of all ages that's a big jump yeah um but yeah i agree with you to me look the playoffs would obviously be great for this team i i do think even if they get swept in the first round it's just nice that you get that experience and you kind of know, okay, this is the level, once you get to the dance, this is the level of intensity we need to play at to actually you know, make a run here. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, and I get it, are saying that this draft year, it's a very deep draft and to give up a first round pick, you know, they're upset because of how deep this draft is. I would argue if this draft is so deep, then you should still be able to get good players in the second and third and potentially the fourth round. Well, the Canucks have done pretty well with later picks. Uh, I I was looking at a lot of teams around them, and I also went over, I didn't do the last two drafts because it's obviously the one in June just happened. Too early. And 2018 is also still too early. So I'm back to 2017, 2016, and 2015, and I looked at the last half of those first rounds. In 2017, there's only three guys, really, that are regular NHLers from the last half of the first round draft. Maybe two from 2016. This kind of was a a trickier one to gauge. And then there's eight from 2015. 2015 does, by now, obviously, with a little bit more time in there, it does have a bit more of NHL regulars in there than the others. But what that shows is that you're not getting guaranteed with that first rounder. You're not guaranteed that, hey, this is going to be a star player. No, and I, I think, you know, every player's development is a little different. Some guys are ready to play in the NHL right away, like a Pod Colson. You know, if he didn't have that two-year deal uh, in the KHL, he'd be in the NHL this year. Mm-hmm. I think most people thought outside of Hughes and Kako, he was the most NHL ready. There's always, there's yeah, there's always a different arc, and I think situations definitely, you know, uh, the, the situation a player finds themselves in, and obviously injuries, you know, can always set back a player's development. I mean, Edmonton looks like, you know, mm-hmm. a place where, you know, prospects go to die unless you're Connor McDavid. And even then, I, I feel sorry for the guy. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they had, you know, a few other guys. The Nuge has turned out decent as yeah. well. But we're talking the first overalls. It's the guys afterwards. Like in 2017, you know, I'm looking at Kyler Yamamoto right now as one of those guys in the last half of that draft. The guys, only other guys really in that last half of the, uh, the first round that has turned out would be Robert Thomas, Philip Cheadle, and Henry Yokoharu. But even like Yamamoto, you know, he's he hasn't done a lot. Was Clem Costin in that draft or was that the next year? I believe that might have been the next year. Yeah, I think that was that was next. Okay. But yeah, you know, all that being said, I know like you brought up, everyone's really upset about giving up the first round pick to JT Miller. I didn't love it. I didn't think, you know, Tampa you know, was trying to shed salary. So I don't, I, I didn't understand why we're giving up a first round pick for it, but I think Miller does make this team better. And there is a caveat. It is a lottery protected, which is great. But I guess that begs the question, would you rather make the playoffs this year and then give up that pick next year where it's not lottery protected? Or would you rather miss the playoffs guarantee that, or yeah, you give up the pick this year and it won't be lottery protected, but they or it will be lottery protected. So if you make the playoffs, you don't have to worry about it being like a, you know, a top 10 pick or top 14 pick, I guess it would be. Or, you know, would you rather not make the playoffs, get another high selection, and then potentially give up another lottery pick next year? To me, honestly, it doesn't really matter. I want to see the team do well. And if the team does well and misses the playoffs, well, okay. So we we get our first round pick. Mm -hmm. That's a nice kind of bonus at the end of the season. But if we do make the playoffs, we lose that first rounder, then 
all of a sudden we got that first rounder ready for next year. Yeah. And we're now going into another season after making the playoffs with with our own first round pick. Well, and I know Benning in a recent interview said there is a chance that they could recoup a first round pick, you know, during the course of the season. I'm sure a lot of, you know, fans out there rolled their eyes, sure. I mean, you never know how the chips fall, right? Uh I still like this team. I think we will be a competitive team this year. And I think, you know, we. Can, it, I, I do believe it can be a successful season regardless of us making the playoffs. But the other thing I have to say is that if Patterson is as good as we all think he is. No, he is. No, he is. Then this team should be right on the cusp of making the playoffs. And, you know, we shouldn't be worried about giving up a lottery pick, you know, with that first round pick we gave up for JT Miller. And I don't think Patterson is generational but he's definitely top tier elite see i think he is generational i think he's that good i've i've watched you know a ton of him this year as i know you have as well he can do things out there that very few players can i do believe and he's bulked up it looks like over the off season too i do believe he is generational i think he is really really good and i think they're being very smart with how they're building the team around him. I don't think they initially thought Pedersen would be the centerpiece that he is, but they knew they had something there. And I think they've drafted and stocked the cupboards very well all around them. And that's the other thing with having these prospects is that those prospects can be flipped for later picks or or roster players as needed. We actually are starting to develop assets. And this is mm-hmm. something that we've had trouble with doing with handicapping contracts as well. And I think that we're with with Pedersen the expectations are now that we can start to see the playoffs. We, we wouldn't be able to even discuss it, I think, without Pedersen. Mm-hmm. So for me, though, it's, it's again, it's I, I don't want to spend the whole season talking about this first round pick. Whatever. We've traded it. Let's move on. Yep. JT Miller, I've, I've been a big fan of. I've had him in my hockey pool a couple of the last couple of years. I really like the guy. I see what he can do. And I think that wherever they use him in the top nine, he could be playing on the left side with Petey or centering with the third line. I think Canucks fans are really going to like this guy. And I think with him and Furland coming in up front, it really brings something that we haven't had. And it's depth. And we all of a sudden now can actually talk about a top nine. But Vancouver, for the last four years, has been a top six and a bottom six. For me, that's one of the biggest things is can we get scoring out of our top nine? And that's just something that the last couple of years hasn't really happened a lot. No, uh, I tend to agree with you. I, I definitely think that added scoring depth is key and also just the compete level guys like JT Miller and Furland you know they do have a high compete level Jordy Ben on the back end he's another guy that has you know a really high compete level and that's why I do think you know down the stretch barring injuries but that goes with any team out there this team does have enough depth almost detrimental at times where you know a guy like Adam Gaudet at least by my projections won't be on the team at the start of the year because of guys like Sutter and Beagle. But you're right, to have that depth, you know what I mean? Where if injuries do start to plague this team, you do have a guy that theoretically could come in, you know, fill the gap, and, you know, this team keeps on trucking. That's what I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think that this depth is a lot better than in previous years. And, you know, there, a lot of guys from the bottom forward group are gone now. I'm looking through here. Darren Archibald, uh, Sam Gagne, Brendan Gauntz, Ryan Spooner, Brendan Leipzig. 
you know, th- these guys are all all gone. There's still guys like Tim Schaller and Tyler Mott down in the system, and then there's guys like Zach McEwen who are looking more and more NHL ready every day. And I think that there is a depth now that we haven't had. Even you know, what do we do with Brandon Sutter? You know, that's a, that's another guy who's in the equation. I don't have him in my starting lineup for the start of the year, but he's another guy who is a depth player now. Sutter doesn't start with the team. He's a guy that you could plug in if we don't trade him. That's not a bad option compared to having to bring up Brandon Gauntz all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Sutter, to me, does give you a little bit more than Brandon Gauntz, although I know some people would probably beg to differ. Um, but yeah, so could this... what? What would be considered a positive year or, you know, a successful year for this team if we don't make the playoffs? I know you talked about, you know, you want to see players develop. So what kind of development would, in your eyes, make this a positive season for the Canucks? For me, it's uh, there's three levels of development. One, there's the guys on the team. And most notably for me, that's the forward group. For once, I'm not as concerned about the defense as... I usually am. The last couple of years, I was very concerned about it. This year, I feel like we've got a starting six that's solid and two guys who can plug in fairly easily and play and a bunch of former NCAA kids now in Utica who can also come on in. So for me, it's I'm, I'm you know, I still have some concerns with the, the blue line, but it's not like the forwards as well the last couple of years where I just look at them like, how the hell are these guys going to score? So for me, the biggest pieces up front would be Jake Vertanen and Nikolai Goldobin and the return of Sven Berchi. What can these guys mm-hmm. bring to the equation? What can they bring to the table? I mean, all of these guys have potential to be 10, 20 goal guys. Even if you got, you know, 12 out of all of them, that's that's a big help right there. I think the additions of Furland and Miller, what do they bring on to the team as well? And then, some again, some of the depth guys. Now all of a sudden a guy like Josh Levo, who you know I'm a, I'm a big fan of, is more of an up-and-down the lineup kind of guy, and he's uh, he's probably going to be on your fourth line. But again, that makes it a lot more dangerous than in previous years. So for me, it's the forward group getting scoring from guys other than Pedersen. You can't just rely on Pedersen and Besser to get it done. We need to get the top nine going. The second level is that is what is going on with Utica. I think a few guys on Utica maybe stalled or had rough years, and that can even go into you know Thatcher Demko as well, who. Uh, was I still kind of put him in the equation of, of Utica guys, even though he's you know firmly entrenched as our backup. But what can some of these guys do? What can we talked about Cole Lind, but Zach McEwen again, he's a guy I'm really interested in seeing what he can do. Francis Perron, who we talked about about last week, even a guy like Justin Bailey, who we quietly acquired yep. over the, the summer as well. He's another guy. And then on the blue line, I think the blue line for the Comets is really, really interesting right now. Um, you got course Olio Levy who I think is going to start down there I think you're going to see uh, Chatfield and Breezebaugh and Sautner all down there all these guys except for Oli have, have gotten some time with the team but then you also got Josh Tevez and Brogan Rafferty down there so that's some decent depth now all the way from 1 to 14 in your organization and that's not even getting into Jet Wu who's going to be playing over in Calgary this year which is also quite exciting and we could see him on the junior team so that's the second level is can these guys in Utica get things going a bit, get some of their efforts back on track and continue to progress. I'd like to really like to see that. And then the third thing is Europe. Uh, This is a year where Canucks fans should very eagerly be watching what's going on in Europe. We have quite a few decent players over there. 
most notably Pods and Hoglander, who just are being looking fantastic and their stock seems to be rising. But there are quite a few guys over there that are worth keeping an eye on and what they do because they are other assets when they're able to come over to NHL and when their contracts run out with their pro teams over there. Yeah, well, another guy that Canucks fans should definitely be keeping an eye on, he's been getting a lot of publicity lately, is Tony Utenen. Mm-hmm. He's another guy that, you know, is quietly creeping up the depth chart in the Canucks, uh, you know, defensive depth, depth chart that we have. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think as long as... What can make this a successful season for the Canucks without making the playoffs? I, th- I think it's just that they're competing in every game, that they're, you know, and I thought their compete level last year was better than the previous year. Um, but, you know, just that the compete level in every game, and that was what was great about last year. As, as critical as people want to be about this team, last year was the first time in about four years that I really enjoyed watching this team. Besser's rookie year was great as well, so I will actually put a caveat that actually that was entertaining. But last year was really entertaining. Almost every game was a great must-watch game for me anyways. Um, so to me, it's just that compete level. You know, the fact that they're in every game, they're, they're it's going to be, you know, they're, are they the best team in the league? Absolutely not. But they're going to be a hard team to, to, to get those wins against, you know, to get those two points from at least in my mind. And, you know, I think that, you know, as long as their compete level is high and they're competing every night and they don't just totally collapse near the end of the year for that final playoff spot or final, you know, two playoff spots, to me, that's a very successful season. Obviously, in order for that to happen, certain players like Pedersen, Besser, Horvat, Hughes are going to have to obviously put up some numbers. Statistically, you're hoping to get the same kind of solid goaltending from Markstrom that we've had the last couple of years or last year and a half, I would say. Um, the other thing that I think a lot of fans don't realize is that, or well, I'm sure they realize, but forget is last year going into the season, we were bringing back the exact same decor from the 2017 season. Oh, I, re- I remember that well. And and it, w- it was a disaster. It was another disaster. And I know a lot of pundits... Uh, online were saying, you know, how can they do this? How can they just bring back the exact same starting six? And we saw we saw the results. So this year, you know, I know we've already talked about it at nauseum, but, you know, with Tyler Myers, they went out, they got a big-name free agent. You know, they signed Jordy Ben. Um, they added uh, Fantenberg as well. Um, you know, they, they did make a conscious... They let Ben Hutton walk, obviously Derek Pouliot walk. They made a conscious effort to actually, you know, change up that... Uh, defense, which they needed to do. Well, the biggest addition is Quinn Hughes, and I think yeah. lost in the excitement of the draft and a few other things is, is that the realization that we have Quinn Hughes for a full season this year, and I think that is something that is going to completely change the way the Canucks break out of their own zone and run the power play, which are two things that they desperately needed assistance with. And I think redoing the blue line and getting rid of half the starting blue line that's an amazing step in the right direction as well. I, I don't think you can say that by losing Goodbranson, Pouliot, and Hutton, replacing them with Hughes, Myers, and Ben, we're a worse team. I think we're a much better team with that starting six. Oh, absolutely. Them. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the argument with Myers is, you know, the contract, the term, the money. Myers is still better than Hutton, Pouliot, and Goodbranson. You know, and I know some people are like, he's not that much better than Goodbranson. I don't know. To me, he he is better. He makes mistakes. Every single player on an NHL ice surface makes a mistake at one point in their careers during a game. It is what it is. You know what I mean? 
Um, I think he makes our power play a lot better, which is something Goodbranson didn't contribute at all to for us. Um, and obviously, <clears throat> yeah, the development, the other thing I would like to see is I'd like to see, uh, obviously, Thatcher Demko kind of like start to take the step and start to look like, you know, the potential that we thought he could be and, you know, being a potential starter because... I know we talked about it briefly last episode, but, you know, what happens with Markstrom at the end of the year? You know, um, if he has another solid year, I don't know if the Canucks are in a position to turn around and pay him, you know, five, six million dollar contract. Well, that's all what it comes down to with Thatcher Demko is can you get him 30 games in and can he look legit? Because if he looks legit and Markstrom prices himself out of the market, maybe you bring in another vet for a one year backup plan then and give it another year or so, and then Di Pietro might be ready to join the team. But again, that's that's future problems for us. This year, I think the goaltending is actually pretty solid. I'm, I'm pretty excited with what we got. But mm-hmm. I do think Demko, kind of like Yolevi as well, this is the year where we really need to see that next step. It's like, all right, we've heard about these guys. Let's see what they can do. And Yolevi was playing great before he was injured last year too. But that for me is a big part of the success of this team going forward. I mean, it would take a lot of heat off of the Canucks from this fan base if Vertanen popped 15, Yolevi had a great year in Utica and mm-hmm. saw some games with the Canucks which I think is a must and Demko plays 30 games and looks good doing it. If those three guys can take their game to the next level I think this team is in a, a very good spot moving forward. Yeah and it goes back to what you said earlier and that's the depth right? Like you have depth down the middle you have depth in goaltending. Now that um, Yolevi um or sorry, now that you know Demko's up with the team, you have more of a solid backup goaltender who also has like some sort of future with the team, which is nice. You know, I like Nielsen. I thought Green was a little hard on Nielsen, but you know he was never really in the Canucks' future. You know, he was a stopgap signing for two, three years, whatever it was, and obviously he fell out of favor with the coaching staff. But now you've got a guy who was a second-round pick, who was touted as the best goalie in that draft. Um, at least going into the draft. And he's looking, you know, where we, we finally get to see what he can do in the NHL. He looked okay at times last year, but I was never amazed by any of the games that Demko played. And then obviously he got injured and he was trying to come back off that injury. And that obviously, you know, slows you down and your timing is not is off and all that stuff. Demko also, from my memory, started in some strange games where the team was either tired or on a long road trip or on a back-to-back. And that blue line in front of him when... They're like that just wasn't wasn't much help to him either. I think that he's got to get in some normal games and play with a, a full core ahead of him and see what he can actually do with when he's not having to adjust with a team on a back-to-back night on the road and three defensemen from Utica up in the lineup. Mm-hmm. I think he's not being given a, the extreme chance to succeed with the team yet, and I think this is the year where he has to do it. Is there any thought that if he doesn't and Markstrom has a fantastic year, is there any thought that maybe Demko gets traded in the offseason then and Markstrom stays? I, I guess so. I mean, for me, the only thing with that is the goalies just don't have that value, right? Like, And if, if Demko struggles, that means his value is only going down. So then you're selling low on a guy. And that is one thing that this management group has done in the past or they've held onto their assets a little too long when they've depreciated, right? Like, I know there was a rumor, and again, they're only rumors, but I think it was a couple of years ago there was a rumor that the uh, the Canucks were uh, trying to get Tyson Berry out of Colorado, and the sticking point to the deal was Ben Hutton, and apparently the Canucks turned it down because they didn't want to give up Ben Hutton. Hmm. Obviously now, you 
would have done that in a heartbeat. But at that time, Ben Hunt, you know, was this prospect that kind of came out of nowhere, and we were, you know, it was about a fifth-round pick, I believe. He played for Team Canada as well at uh, World Championships one year, so yeah. his value was high. Absolutely, and, you know, he looked like a, you know, kind of a, a good NHL player. He had decent analytic uh, results from the analytic community out there, and for whatever reason, you know, he just hasn't developed and taken that next step. Yeah, I don't think Green was uh, the biggest fan of him. And, you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of Hutton, uh, uh, the way he played. Wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed with him this last year. And I know a part of the reason they didn't qualify him was just what they would have had to pay him in a qualifying offer. Yeah. And that was a big part of it. They thought maybe they could come back and get him on a lesser price tag. I think other teams are still kind of kicking the tires at him and just seeing what it's going to go for. It wouldn't completely surprise me to see Hutton come back on a smaller one- or two-year deal, but... I, I don't know really where there's room for him anymore with bringing in uh, Fantenberg. And he's still got, of course, Biega in the fold as well. So whatever, you know, Ben Hutton, it's it's not a it's not a big change for me. I see what we have in there as an improvement. I really think the biggest improvement, though, is Quinton Hughes. And then what we get, we're going to see with Olio Levy uh, as well moving forward. I think that, for me, is one of the biggest steps for us having a successful season is what can those two rookie defenseman do because you'll you will play and he is also a rookie and there could be nights this year when the canucks have two rookie defensemen in the lineup which is again something i can't really remember happening in a long time in vancouver no. except at the tail end of a season well there, how many years was it i guess it was since luke bordon up until we picked Ole Olevi, we'd never taken a defenseman in the first round yeah, it's it was it's been a while. It's definitely been a while. But those are two guys that I I think were are really going to change the complexion of this team. And I know a lot of people have been discussing Olio Levy out there and and what he can bring. But I think this kid still has a ton of potential. And he's only 21. And I think we're going to see him this year. We have to see him this year. That for me is part of this being a successful season. Is Olevi getting some games in this year? That for me is extremely important for his development. Whether or not he's the first call-up, I think it depends on what happens with the injuries. When are the injuries? Who is it to? But I do think we will get to see Yolevi at some point this year, and that's that's something I'm very excited about. And I'm really sure he's going to come back and have a very good year in Utica again, just like he was doing before he was shut down. And from all counts, are he's on track to play and be ready. I do wish they hadn't said that he's going to start the year in Utica. There have already been some announcements about that uh i would rather that he comes into the camp and has to work for that spot but i don't think it's anyone's surprise that the plan is for Olio levy to start the season in utica especially with already carrying eight nhl defensemen yeah i mean i think there's a chance i don't think it'll happen but if he did come into training camp and just blow the doors off of everybody um you know i think he could make the team i mean i will give this management group credit you know in the past couple of years they've there have been guys out of camp that have made the team and they've turned around and sent guys down. Like last year, they sent Sam Gagne down because Tyler Mott made this team out of training camp. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen with Yulevi. But I think if he did like just blow everybody away at training camp, I think, I think there is a chance he could make the team. Do you think there's any positivity gained for the, I guess, experience of the team to make the playoffs and just get swept in the first round, get steamrolled? It's it's not the worst thing that would happen. Uh, you look at the teams that have... The last two cup winners, for example, St. Louis and Washington. So St. Louis, out of the 
four years before that, they made the playoffs three of those years. And they had consistently done it, and they lost in the first round, the second round, the conference finals, and they had a did not make the playoffs in there as well over that period. So they, they'd seen everything. But the fact is that they're in the playoffs. And the same can be said with Washington. The, before they won the Cup, they were in the playoffs the three years before that, losing in the second round all three years to uh, the Penguins two of those years. And there's something to be said for gaining that experience. I mean, yes, St. Louis didn't make the playoffs in 27-18, but they were in the second round the year before that and the conference finals the year before that. So Vancouver, on the other hand, you know, we've it's been four years now and like five of the last six where we haven't made the playoffs. So I think there's something to be said just for gaining that experience. I think uh, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world to make the playoffs and lose and get that experience. I, I agree. I mean, I think the playoffs, it ups the ante, right? A lot of the times the regular season, you're kind of coasting along, you're waiting for the season to end, especially if you're like, you look at Tampa Bay last year, right? They kind of coasted, although, you know, they were on fire during the regular season, but they weren't ready for the intensity, at least in my opinion, come playoff time. And I think it just kind of gives this, this group and this core that we're building, you know, okay, this is, this is the next step, you know, that you have to take and you have to sacrifice your body and sacrifice, you know, and fight for every square inch on the ice in the playoffs. And I, I think I think there is good that could come out of it. I know some people and I've actually I'll admit in the past, I don't want to go and turn around and start giving up future assets just to make the playoffs. That's not what I'm saying. If this team can just be competitive and make the playoffs, you know, with little to no change in the current roster construction, I'm all for it. Do I want them to start giving away players like Tyler Madden, Jet Wu, future first-round picks, just to add an extra body or two? No, absolutely not. But I definitely think there is experience and lessons to be learned by making the playoffs and getting beat by a good team and knowing what you have to do to, you know, to, to go on a proper you know, Stanley Cup run. I think guys like Madden and Wu, there's no way they would be traded this year. But given the recent depth and acquisitions of our prospect pool years two or three from now they could be a fantastic piece of trade bait to acquire someone that we need that's something else right now that is is on track with us is is again like i said before kind of stockpiling these cupboards but i think that it's not the worst thing in the world for us to lose and go in with the team that we currently have right now and not really make any changes to it if we were to go in make the playoffs with the guys we got we got some good playoff grinders in there, you know, mm-hmm. guys like Myers, Roussel, Furland. Furland. It's uh, Miller. There's some, yeah, there's guys who can play there, and the Canucks won't be pushed around like they've been in the previous years with that sort of team in the playoffs. And again, it's you know, you mentioned Tampa Bay going in and not having to play meaningful hockey for like two and a half months essentially. And you look at the teams that were fighting every day, St. Louis and Colorado or two that came to mind, and they came in and upset people. And if the Canucks get into that battle where all of a sudden in mid-January, they're right in there and they are able to hold pace. That alone right there, that's that's some great development for this team because they did trail off down the stretch. We all know if Pedersen's kind of fall out down the stretch, but the whole team fell off down the stretch. Once Pedersen stopped scoring, we don't have a top nine that can really put the puck in the net. And the whole team just kind of suffered from that point on. I think the playoffs for me, like I said, that's the goal. The Stanley Cup's the goal every year. I mean, I'm, I'm also realistic and know that's very unlikely. I'll take it in a heartbeat. But uh, the playoffs are always my goal. I'd ra- much rather be in the playoffs and have a later first-round pick, and of course we wouldn't have it this year, than to not make the playoffs and 
be talking about the draft lottery. I'm sick of talking about the draft lottery. We always talk about the draft lottery, and it's always the same thing. It's like, oh, this will be the year we're due, and oh, we only fell two spots this year. I'll tell you this, man. I've been more disappointed with our results in the draft lottery than I have missing the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, and, and also, on the same note, though, there's a little bit of karma to that. If we were top three that one year, we may not have ended up with Pedersen, or if we didn't yep. fall to where we did... Well, we probably still would have taken Hughes. It sounded like the Canucks are pretty pretty high on him. But it's it's worked out okay with wherever we're picking. And we've gotten some solid picks in later rounds as well. So, again, that that first round pick, like, come on, Canucks fans, that can't be the story of the season. It's I know it's a part of the story, but the real story this year and what we should all be talking about is Pedersen now is the NHL Calder Trophy winner. He's going into his second year. What can he do with that? What is Quinn Hughes going to bring to this team? He's one of the top players who wasn't a regular NHLer last year. You know, he played five games, but he is a rookie. And we are going to have another player who should be in the discussion for a Calder for the third year in a row. Yeah. Can Brock Besser score 30 goals? Yeah. You know, and where is Bo Horvat going to elevate his game to? Every year on the Canucks, he's elevated it to a level that even I was surprised with. I mean, Bo Horvat's work ethic, that's a guy who I want to see in the playoffs. Man. Yes. Well, and he did have that one year with, uh, the, with the first year with Willie. They made mm-hmm. the playoffs, and I thought Bo was arguably our best player. But he hasn't gone back since then, no. and his game has matured a lot. And so for a guy like that to go four years without, I want to see what, what he can do. So for me, yeah, playoffs, that's uh, that's still the goal. And we lose in the first round, so be it. We got some more experience. We yep. lose that first-round pick. If it's a good season, I think the Canucks fans can live with that and we move on and go into the next year. And then at the end of that year, you've got a few more real good blue chip prospects coming in on the pipeline who we got to be excited about. I mean, Pod Colson and Hoglander, I know keep talking about them, but they could be parts of this team in two years. And their salary structure with the Canucks and the contract structure, I know we've got some albatrosses right now, but there is some flexibility moving forward and there's there is a lot of areas for the team to get creative i know they haven't really done that it would be really nice if they could and use some of these guys and uh and kind of develop the team around this current young core i think they've got some great supporting pieces in there right now yeah i agree i i think this team is definitely on the right track despite what a lot of people think i think that you know there is the additions that this management group has made this year have up the ante for this team and they've put it to me it's actually it's smart it's putting more pressure on the younger players i know we keep talking about wanting to insulate our younger guys but the nhl is getting younger quicker and faster and to me you're adding pieces to the young core to say okay we're giving you you know legitimate nhl players here you know not just you know what's on the scrap heap leftovers from uh free agency um, let's go out and try to, you know, be competitive and, you know, make a make a push for a playoff spot. Yeah, and I think that's really smart. You have to at this stage. You have to use these guys on the entry-level contracts, and if you're not going to be able to win a cup with entry levels, at least get their te- your players developed to where they need to be when they become off these entry-level deals and become NHL, well, not NHL regulars, but onto the NHL mainframe of contracts. Um, what do you think about... You know, for it to be successful, would shedding some of these bad contracts, would that be a part of making this a successful season in your mind? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, you got Sutter who signed for two more years. If we can obviously, you know, get rid of him, that would be nice. Uh, obviously, you know, he comes off the books when uh, Petey and 
Hughes have to be re-signed, but still, it would just be nice to, you know, not have to pay Sutter for next year as well as this year. Erickson, I think they're going to bury him in the minors, and then whatever happens after that, if a team takes a flyer on him and we retain some of the salary, I think that's fine. Um, but yeah, to me, of course, that's a success. But I don't think right now what they're selling, and I do agree, is that they have depth. So I don't think they're going to want to try to move a guy like Sutter necessarily because they feel like they have depth now with him on the roster and guys like Miller and Beagle and even Gaudette, who, again, go back and listen to episode two. I think he's still starting in Utica. Um but I think if the right move is there, I think they would definitely move a guy like Sutter. Obviously, they're, they're trying to move um, Louis Erickson, but that's just not going to happen. Those are the only two real... Con- I mean, Sven Berchi, I do like Berchi. It's his health that's an issue for me. I do think him and Bo have great chemistry when they're together. I would say that Berchi is... His contract isn't anything that's hurting the team right now. If Sutter isn't playing or isn't playing well, that's hurting the team. Berchi is, is a little bit less, and he's 26, and I think there's more value... In what Berchi brings, Erickson's yeah, that's 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 the elephant uh, with with this team. I will say though, and I know we've talked about this before, uh, not on the air, is that Erickson at moments last year was serviceable and was a useful player. And if he is used in a in more of a depth role, we're still always going to look at him and say like, why are we why are we paying him this much for as long as we are. Uh, he, he could still bring something, but yeah, three more years at $6 million, That's If there's anything creative they can do with that, I'd, uh, I'd be all for moving that contract out of town. And, you know, maybe Sutter's Pilates has made him a new man, and maybe he can come in and bring something. He's only got, like you said, one more year after this. I would like to see them be able to move one of those two guys or maybe even another contract. You know, you mentioned... Uh, Bear cheese in there. I don't know who else. You know, there's Tanov, who's UFA at the end of the year, but I don't see them trading him this year. It doesn't really make any sense. Well, I guess it depends. If you levy, you know, if you levy bangs on the door to make a spot, I mean, to me, there is an opportunity to trade Tanov. Mm-hmm. But I also think that they've held on to Tanov too long and his value has depreciated so much. You're not going to get a huge haul for him. But it's not about that. It's about giving a guy who, you know, you've invested a first you know, a, a sixth overall pick in, you know, an opportunity to be on this team and to be a contributing member, which I think he can be. Yeah, I mean, Tanev is, is is 29 years old, so, and he's got one year left, so he's a UFA after this. So his market value is not the same as a couple of years ago when there was all these rumors of Toronto and Dallas and teams looking at him. Uh, he's a guy, in my opinion, if the Canucks are, uh, you know, maybe a fringe team come late February, maybe they do trade him somewhere and bring back a pick and maybe Olevi has been lighting it up and they bring you know him up into the team. I wouldn't shock me completely to see some of these guys get moved more towards the deadline. I mean, I think Tanev and Markstrom are two that would, are the most interesting out of, out of that bunch because they're UFAs next year. Um, Josh Leva's UFA next year, but I really hope the Canucks keep him. I don't think there's a market for a Tim Schaller, who's also UFA next year. But it'd be interesting to see which guys can come in and knock on the door. And I know you thought Francis Perron has a shot on this to make the team, and I, I don't disagree. I think he's got a shot. But, man, maybe someone just comes out of nowhere. Maybe Zach McEwen comes out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere, but he makes a strong enough case that, like, we can't send you down. Maybe Jalen Chatfield is, uh, just has a fantastic camp, or Guillaume Brisebois or someone, and just the teams that we, we can't send you down. I know what you're saying about Adam Gaudet. Uh, his flexibility being on the entry-level deal does make it a lot easier 
for him to go down if need be. But, you know, I really hope Gaudet stays with the team. I really want to see Gaudet. I really want to see Goldobin. I know uh, I know a lot of people are divided on Goldobin, but I think the Canucks still have something there with him. I think if he can get in, get some more regular ice time, there's going to be injuries up front. If he can come in and play, I, I just really like the kid as well. I think he's got a good attitude. And I know I've mentioned it before, but I like having a Russian on the team. I think we're going to need Russians on the team when Pod Colson comes over. And if the last two Russians, Goldobin and uh, Tramkin, both left under kind of unfavorable circumstances. Don't forget Burmistrov. Oh, yeah. And that's, I did forget about <laughs> Burmistrov. That, that, that brief cup of coffee he had with the team. I think that uh, that's something that we have to consider. And I, I want to have some sort of Russian presence and not a Russian stink kind of hovering over the team when yeah. this kid comes over because I'm super excited about him down the pipes as well. And I believe after Hughes, so I, I still consider a prospect. I believe Pod Colson is our best prospect right now. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, like, to me... I think this can be a successful season for the Canucks, regardless if they make the playoffs. Again, just seeing that, you know, development of the young core taking shape. You know, obviously, you've got a full season of Quinn Hughes. You know, we're going to see uh, Elias Pettersson, who looks like he's put on maybe, you know, 15, 20 pounds of muscle in the offseason. You know, Brock Besser, can he finally hit the 30 to 35 goal mark? I think he can if he can be healthy, especially if he's playing on the wing with Pettersson, right? Um, Bo Horvat seems to legitimately have decent wingers now. You know, last year, you know, gone are the days when Horvat's, you know, got a carousel of random guys playing with him. Berchi and Horvat have obviously shown chemistry in the past, but with Berchi's health issues the past couple of years, we haven't been able to rely on that, you know, as a, a consistent um, line mate for Horvat. So, yeah, I do think that this team could, it, it will be, it can be a successful year, regardless of the playoffs. Um, obviously, I agree with you. The goal is to make the playoffs. I think it'll be great development for all the young group of players we have in this team. Um, and, yeah, those are kind of my final thoughts on that. Do you have any final thoughts on this, Pete? Yeah, I got just a few things. I think we got to look at where they, uh, where they actually fit in terms of the conference, in terms of making the playoffs. Where do you see the Canucks in the division at the end of the year? So last year they were fifth, and they were 12th in the conference. But that's because the bottom four teams last year were all in the same division, in the Canucks division. The Canucks finished ahead of Anaheim, Edmonton, and L.A., but where do you think the Canucks can improve on a fifth? I personally, I think they're going to be fourth. I think they're going to be in a tight fourth, I think, uh, with Arizona. But I still think right now in their division, I think uh, Vegas, San Jose, and Calgary will probably again take the top three spots. And I think that puts Vancouver in a battle with Arizona for the fourth spot. And then on the other side, this is where it gets inf- interesting, is because that central division is pretty strong. I don't think Minnesota is going to get in there, but I think Colorado, Dallas, St. Louis, Nashville will all probably get in. I think Winnipeg's going to have a tougher time this year, but I still think Winnipeg is very much in the mix. And then the Hawks are looking improved too. So let's say five teams get out of the Central. That leaves the Canucks on the outside looking in again on that conference. I know that the West is is more up for grabs and anything can happen, but do you sort of see where the Canucks are right now? I think I'm going to put them at fourth in the division and ninth in the conference, but I think it's going to get pretty tight uh, around that probably 7 to 11 spots in the conference. 
Do you have uh, do you have kind of any thoughts on where they'd finish in the division and the conference? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I definitely think they'll probably finish fourth in the division at best. They might be able to finish third, but I'm I'm thinking it's probably closer to fourth. I think San Jose will definitely be leading the Pacific. Um, you'll probably have Calgary under them. And then I think it'll be a toss-up between Vancouver and probably Arizona. Where's, uh, where's Vegas? Uh, oh, yeah. Actually, sorry. I'm missing Vegas in there. So I'd probably I'd probably put Vegas in there as well. So, yeah, I, I'd put them fourth. I, I, I think we are better than um, than Arizona. So I would put... I would put us ahead of Vegas, or sorry, ahead of Arizona, but below Vegas. And then compared to the teams in the Central Division, so how, how many do you think we could finish ahead of? Well, in the Central, I I honestly don't think, I don't think Chicago makes the playoffs. I don't think Minnesota's making the playoffs. No, I don't I, think Minnesota or Chicago are. I don't. Either. I I honestly don't think St. Louis makes the playoffs. I could see that a bit of a, a bit of a Stanley Cup hangover, but they're they're in tight uh, in that division for sure. Yeah, I mean Nashville will make the playoffs, but they they seem to be regressing a bit. Winnipeg seems to be have has lost some key pieces, and I think you know they're going to be a little bit in a little bit tougher this year than years previous. Dallas, I know they made a couple of big splashes in free agency. Um, for me, it depends on their goaltending if Bishop can stay healthy. I think they have a good young blue line this year that's going to take some noticeable strides as well. Absolutely, but if Bishop can't stay healthy, which has been his problem, I mean, last year he was healthy for the first time in his career for pretty much an entire season. Um, but Dallas is an old team, right? Like, I mean, they signed, you know, Pavelski, who's still a great player, one of the most underrated players in the NHL in my mind. Um, you know, Corey, the, they signed the corpse of Corey Perry. I don't know what they're expecting to get out of him. But a low-risk deal, though. Yeah, and, and I'm sure he'll help the power play as well. Um, I don't know if there's still animosity with Ben and Sagan towards the ownership group there being called out last year during the season. That seemed to obviously really, you know, get them upset. Although, that being said, they still, you know, went on a run and made the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, I think, I definitely think, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I'm skeptical on St. Louis making the playoffs. I really am. Dallas, I think, will make the playoffs. So I would have... And this is in no particular order, but I would have San Jose, Calgary, Nashville, Colorado, probably Winnipeg still, um, Vegas, and then I would say probably Vancouver, and then a toss-up between Arizona, Edmonton, and probably St. Louis for that last playoff spot. Did Did you say Dallas in there? I did. Okay. Um, Check yeah, the tape. Yeah, we will have to do a rewind there. Um, Edmonton, really? Well, I, look, you still—they have Connor McDavid. I think. Um, you think I know the smoke is out on that uh, tire sale over there. Well, no, I just—I think they're going to go all in to try to make the playoffs, and what whatever that is, whether they're trading a Yamamoto, Marcus Granlund. <laughs> No, but whether they're trading like a Kyler Yamamoto or they decide to move Nugent Hopkins for another piece that they feel like can help them, um, I, I I think Edmonton's going to be very aggressive trying to to make their team better to make that playoff push. Um, I don't like Mike Smith. I think that's a pretty terrible um, signing by them personally. But I do think they're going to be an aggressive team. I mean, you know, you, you, Connor McDavid. I don't think there's much argument that he's the best player in the world. Leon Dreisaitl, you can argue, is a top 10 player in the league, you know, and they still missed the playoffs last year. They did have some injuries. I think right now, um, 
what's the GM they just hired from Detroit? I forget his name. Ken Holland. Ken Holland. I think Holland's taking his time. He's trying to assess what they have. He's not trying to make any panic moves. That's why they haven't traded Pugliarvi yet, even though, you know, there's some rumblings that, you know, a deal could be imminent. I think he's trying to take his time, assess the team, assess what he has, and he probably wants to see the team on the ice for a bit, you know what I mean, before he starts making really dramatic moves. But, you know, I think... Again, I, I, I think the Canucks will be better than Edmonton this year, but I think Edmonton can be that team, you know, vying for that final playoff spot down the stretch. I really do. And then what do you think about the, the two California teams, the two other ones, not the, San Jose, the, the Ducks and the Kings? I think they'll be two of the worst teams in the entire NHL this year. Yeah, I think they'll be the bottom two uh, in the division as well, probably in the conference. Minnesota, I think, has a chance to be uh, one of the worst mm-hmm. teams as well. Those are really... I, I don't I don't see Edmonton being in the playoffs this year, but I understand where you're coming from with McDavid and Drysaddle. I, I do think the Canucks, though, you're there's... Do you think there's any chance they could push into the top three of those Pacific Division teams? And if so, who would be the most likely? Even if they can't catch them, who do you think would be the most likely the Canucks could catch? For me, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Calgary. Uh, I just think they, that Calgary's uh, maybe. I think they they had a bit hit a bit above their weight last year, and I think now they've got a new goalie and a couple of changes here and there. Uh, a little bit older as well. Um, I just think they have more of a chance of catching Calgary than uh, Vegas or San Jose. What do you think? Yeah, I think Calgary definitely overachieved a bit last year. Um, You know, they were the highest uh, point total team in the Western Conference with 107 points. Um, So I do think they take take a step back this year. That being said, I do think Calgary is, you know, they'll still be in the playoffs, and I still think they'll probably be top three. For sure, I think. Vegas, to me, is the one team that I think could falter this year. They've lost some pieces yeah, that's for, true. for nothing, essentially, um, you know, because they had to cut salary. Um, so Vegas is the team that I think could take a step back. Uh, look, Marc-Andre Fleury's been absolutely fantastic since he's gone to Vegas, but he is getting older. He, has a, he is a guy whose body, you know, has shown signs, you know, prior to him going to Vegas of his body breaking down. So to me, Vegas is a team that I could see really stumbling. Um, and that could be, you know, where the Canucks could hopefully, hopefully sneak in and maybe become a top three team in the Pacific. Well, I think regardless, I think for us, I think we can agree that it, to be a successful year, uh, we just need to see a continued evolution of this process. You know, we got to see, trust the process. We got to see what we have. Uh, and especially with some of these kids, uh, for me, as I mentioned before, guys like Vertanen, but also some of the guys in the system. I want to see a lot of positive steps move forward. If we make the playoffs, that's great, but I also don't think it's the end of the world if we don't. But I tell you, five seasons in a row not making the playoffs, that's uh, that's hard on a team, and you've got to start getting into the playoffs to really take it to the next level, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, obviously, the goal is to make the playoffs for us as fans and you know for the management group. Um, I, I think the team is positioned themselves with their offseason acquisitions to be in the playoff hunt right down to the final yep. week of the playoffs where the last couple of years, I would say there weren't going to be anywhere near that. I mean, I brought it up earlier in this episode, but you know, the fact that they brought back the exact same decor from 2017 going into the 2018 season to me, despite what green and Benning say to the media about our goal every year is to make the playoffs, you'd didn't want to make the playoffs last year in my opinion by bringing back the exact same decor yeah it was um it was 
not a, a very prudent move. And I think everyone in Canucksville, I remember last year we were all just kind of, what the heck, we're, we're going in with this blue line again. And this year we're not. And we've also upgraded the top nine. I think the team has addressed some the biggest issues we had, which were our blue line, our top nine depth. And they've also done some really nice restocking of the depth covered through drafting and free agency and prospects. I know Chris Pronman just did his piece for The Athletic and ranks the Canucks as the fifth best prospect system in the league right now. I mean, geez, I, I don't remember that ever happening before. I mean, we just haven't had that. So it's things are, are coming along well. I think we got to trust the process a little bit more here. And this year, I think it's going to be fun to watch. I think... People are underestimating just what Furland and Miller are going to bring to this top nine and just how much fun it's going to be watching Quinn Hughes this year as well. Well, especially like if this team gets into any overtime games. and We saw a glimpse oh. of it last year with Pedersen, Hughes, and Besser. I mean, come on. Please, please. That was that was one of the best shifts of the season. Yeah. Well, uh, what is it? October 2nd is opening night? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Well, geez, I can't come soon enough, can it? Free pour, open floor. And for our final segment this week, Pete, uh, what whiskey are we drinking this week? This is a nice one. Uh, it's called North Star. It's from the Speyside region in Scotland. It's a 10-year barrel-aged whiskey. This is one that I bought in Scotland. Uh, my sister's over there, so every time I go over there, I like to bring back something a little bit different. So yeah, this is, uh, you like this one. It's uh, got a uh, kind of port barrel-aged flavor to it. It's a nice color. Nice. I haven't seen that one in my local liquor store. Yeah, so. you won't here. That's part of the part of the appeal of it. So, anyways, here you go. Thank you, sir. And uh, cheers. cheers. All right, Doug. What do you got? Um, I wanted to talk about very quickly about how excited I am that football is back. I know I mentioned it earlier on the episode. Pete and I are in a fantasy football league. This is our seventh year, and we drafted our team this weekend. And I am so stoked that fan- football is back. I'm playing Pete week one. I am going to crush you. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, we are playing each other this week. I should be good considering our report cards. For me, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Bianca Andreescu. It's a tough name to say sometimes, uh, but man, she's just killing it. I, I'm a big tennis fan, and it's great to see players on both the men's and women's sides for Canada killing it. I thought Shapovalov had a great match this week too. I know he lost to Gail Monfils, but I quite like Gail Monfils as well. So, what can you do? But Andreescu, just she's a beast. She's emotional. The way she plays reminds me of a young Serena. Uh, I think we got a pretty good thing happening here with Tennis Canada. Cheers to that. Cheers again. And that's it for this episode. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to us. Uh, you can find uh, me at Doug Venn on Twitter. And I'm at Pete underscore Gas. And uh, yeah, like I said, you know, we appreciate all the feedback we've been getting and all the listeners that, you know, have been listening to the podcast. And if you want to get into any Twitter battles with us, uh, we're we're always ready. Uh, we're going to leave you guys with a bit of Eric B. and Rakim as we fade out, and we'll see you for episode four.